Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Matt is here. We have plenty to discuss in the Formula One world this week. Probably the first interesting race ever at Sochi. Yep. I I don't regret saying it's the worst track on the F1 calendar because it still is. Yep. But I saw that a couple times too on Twitter. I'm like, nope, that doesn't mean our take was wrong because Sochi is still an awful track. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's a special shout out to all those who specifically called me out for always being wrong. That being said, the the pre-rain part of the race was relatively interesting. There was a lot going on still, so even the the not you know before it it got chaotic was still actually pretty entertaining for once. So, which was weird. But anyway, real quick, top five: Lewis Hamilton, his hundredth career Grand Prix win, which means he has now. Roughly won 10% of all F1 races of all time, which is kind of insane to think about. Max Verstappen second, good recovery after the engine change. Signs rounds out the podium. Ricardo and Botas fourth and fifth. So, where do you want to where do you want to start with this one? Well, we can start with the start. Yes. What do you think of? Fernando Alonso <laughs> making a mockery of the FIA in Formula One with his ridiculous corner one cut, or I guess turn two cut. Well, what he did was drove by with one hand out the halo, giving a middle finger to Michael Massey, because what he did was technically in the rules. If you miss the turn, you have to go through the bollards, as they're called in Europe or in the F1 world. So he did. He's, he rejoined the race, gained a position. One, I think just one position. Well, he came out like, he started sixth. I think he like ended up fourth or fifth, didn't he? Yeah, I know he at least gained one position out of it. But, I mean, I thought it was bullshit. But if you look at the rules, he didn't do anything incorrect. Now, would I still have given him a penalty anyway? Yeah, because he clearly did not even try to make the corner. It's not like he he like he had the room, I think he had a, a decent amount of room to at least you know kind of hug the hug the curb for a little bit, but I don't man that if that's the most blatant fu to race control I think I've ever seen. Well, it's even more incriminating that he's on the the parade lap of all things. He's testing the line through the ballards to see you know <laughs> what the grip's like and how he can do it. I'm like this. F- like, he's going to do it. They even said it on the broadcast leading up to Parade Labs. <laughs> like, if it's in any indication, Fernando Alonso just did this. It's like, oh, this guy's just going to, like, ignore the corner and just do it. Which is funny because that's the exact same thing I did last year in F1 in our racing league. I know that Sochi's first turn is terrible. And yeah. Neely was in the lead, and I just decided to blow the, the turn two and pass him. And the game did not make me give it up. So, it was, like, one of my favorite moments from last season. So... If you're not going to get punished, then to hell with turn two. There's a very easy solution. Which is? Well, what we've always discussed, either sand, grass, or moving the wall. Right, right, right. Yeah, moving that that outer section of the wall at the end there and cut it off so you can't gain any sort of advantage. And you, you simplify the problem. But, yeah, listen, I was partially entertained just because of how ballsy it was. But at the same time, not cool. I guess I, I guess I see both sides. Not cool, but also I dig the little F you to Michael Massey because he does deserve it. Yeah. And then 
signs. Great start. So the the Norris got pole. Congratulations to him. It was his first career pole. Uh, but he was pretty nervous because starting a pole at Sochi is not good. And so Signs goes into turn one, locks everything up, and I for sure think that Signs is going to miss the corner. But somehow Signs makes the corner, takes the lead, keeps the lead for a little bit, but then Norris repasses him. So I thought Carlos Signs had a sneaky good race. Very impressed with his performance. I'm re- I'm still amazed that he made that first turn. And then we kind of got into a settling settle in pattern. Uh, There's a couple overtakes here and there, but it was all about the overcut, undercut, who's going to pit first. And it was weird. The stroll. Uh, who else pitted? Wasn't Gasly like sixth? Then he faded. A couple guys pitted uh, early Gasly, to go on. Gasly oh, signs did. Q3 this this weekend. So I'm sorry. Was that Are you mad at him? Yeah. How dare he? I think it was stroll. Signs, I think, did too, because when they, yeah, because he ended up being like 15 seconds behind Norris after Norris pitted, and Signs like, "We still fight for the win," and he's like, "No," <laughs> like I was like, "Oh, damn it!" But yeah, so the guys who pitted early for a two-stop got burned pretty bad, uh, which is shame because actually Stroll's actually doing pretty good for a while there um, until the end. Yeah, Botas was nowhere for the whole race and it's not going to top five which is really annoying yeah he was i mean i'm sure we'll get to it but at one point i'm going this this bum is is really having just a nowhere zilch day down 14th and then with all the confusion and in chaos in the rain and i didn't really pay attention and because i was really just focused on lando and and whatnot then all of a sudden i looked at the results and he was p5 I'm like, how the hell did that happen yeah, I had snarkily tweeted that the radio <laughs> message Botas got said, we're still on for a top five, and he was like 14th all day. And then, of course, it rained and they got the strategy right. But it's like, that was not what they meant at all. That was a very host Mike-esque tweet there. Yeah, and I loved his lack of defense on Verstappen as Verstappen's coming through the field. Right. <laughs> like It's like he could just not care less about trying to defend anybody out there. I think we'll chalk his results up to great strategy because yes. he was not fast at all. No. All right. Well, at this point, we can get to kind of the end of the race. It's very, very dramatic. So it's the forecast for rain faded throughout the day, but then towards the end of the race, it looked like it was going to rain. And the severity of which was questioned by teams so it starts raining and drivers are staying out on the drives including lando who's leading hamilton and hamilton was reeling in lando at a tremendous rate yeah uh but then it starts to rain and i think it was what like five laps to go lewis is told to box but he does not he decides to stay out and a couple others decide to pit for intermediate tires botas included it's really tough to judge, though, just on one lap if that's the right move to make with a couple laps to go. And so then the next lap comes around. They're coming to, I think, like four to go or three to go. And they once again tell Lewis, like, Lewis, you need to pit. And he's like, guys, he's right in front of me. It's like, you need to pit. So he's like, all right, I guess. So Lewis pits. Lando stays out. 
Lewis comes out 25 seconds behind, and I think within six turns he's past Lando because it starts monsooning on the track. Even within three turns, that went from 26 seconds to 16, 16 or 14 second lead. Like it, it evaporated as quick as the rain came down. Yeah, it was insane. Um, I've never seen it go from unless it was like Malaysia. I haven't seen right. it go from just like sprinkled to monsoon that fast. So it really sucks for Lando. I'd really I didn't get a chance to listen to any of his radio communications versus what Hamilton's team was communicating because obviously the meteorologist at Mercedes slash Total Wolf at Mercedes got that right and somebody at McLaren really dropped the ball. I think it comes down to Mercedes having experience and Lewis having experience versus McLaren and who calls the strategy for Lando? Andreas Seidel? It's team principal. I don't know if he's the one who makes the call, though. Yeah, anyway. So, you know, whoever calls the strategy for Lando, well, we know it wasn't Zach Brown because he was in California. And they were kind of like, it's raining, you, you might want to come in. Lando said no. I don't blame him. First off, I don't blame him at all for, for doing what he did. I would have done the same thing. That's why I'm not a professional race car driver. But you know, it's, it's like a combined lack of experience where the team just needs to tell him, you need to pit, it's getting worse. Like I don't think they were necessarily forceful enough. And also, they were on the radio saying, we don't think it's really going to rain that hard. And then all of a sudden, it rained that hard. So it was really just like... It was an un- unfortunate string of mishaps and mistakes that just kind of doomed Lando. It's hard to hard to blame them. It just it's a less it's a a big lesson to learn. And I think if anybody you know can take a, a positive out such a, a crappy end would be somebody like Lando Norris. So you're not a professional racing driver, but you are a semi amateur virtual racing driver. Semi semi. And last night. We had our league race at France, yeah, and it was raining. <laughs> and with seven laps to go, we got a safety car, and we were all on intermediates. Yeah, and it started monsooning, and I was in second place behind one of my teammates, and I believe you were somewhere what bottom of the top ten ish. No, I was back in fourteenth because I got screwed up with that drive through the the virtual safety car crap penalty so you're running 14th and you see the monsoon and i'm assuming you got some sort of radio message saying full wets might be the call no my little radio guy was saying enters and i was like this doesn't feel right and those of us who were in the other party chat were kind of debating and i was like you know what i'm in 14th i'm either going to put on wet tires and i'm going to go up the field or I'm going to put on wet tires and I'm going to stay in 14th. I can't fall back much more, so it can't hurt to try. And where did you end up finishing after restarting wherever, 14th-ish? 7th. So you ended up finishing 7th. I restarted 2nd, stayed on inters, and finished 5th. And I got passed. Not passed. I got murdered by three guys <laughs> on full wets. I think I was about a lap and a maybe a little bit more than a lap to actually catching up to you, but Brad and I touched wheels in the last oh, you quarter. would have had me half a lap later if you kept if there was another yeah. lap, I was screwed. Um, but Brad and I, Brad and I touched wheels, and and he got the better of it. But your best friend, Brad. Yeah, I love Brad. It was it really wasn't a big deal. Oh, he doesn't listen to this. Screw Brad. Yeah, exactly. 
I can say whatever I want. Yeah. And get fired from my team. So yeah, I th- I think there was obviously I I drew some parallels last night. I was I pulled a Lando, fortunately, <laughs> and and really got it wrong twice. Actually, I pitted one when it went from dry to wet. I waited one lap too long. I the game is stupid in some aspects, and one of them is that France and every single F one game is not a twenty twenty one F one game problem. It's every Every game I've ever raced at France, as soon as it starts sprinkling, it is like 90 seconds until it is enters, which yeah. is not how any of that works in real life. Now, we're talking if it goes from dry to monsoon in 90 seconds, then, yeah, you're going to probably need enters. But if it goes if it goes from dry to sprinkling, it is not going to be 90 seconds until you lose the track, which really irritated me because then I had to do three quarters of a lap on dry tires, on a wet surface. You know what's also irritating? The way the Delta works on a virtual safety car. It makes zero sense how it goes from plus three seconds to negative eight, and you got to drive through. Yeah, that was... Because I remember I was that whole first VSC, I was running at plus seven. Yeah. But mine never swapped, thankfully. I was plus I five, been... and then it was like VSC ending, and all of a sudden I was minus two. And I was like, oh. And at the time I was in... It was right after, right after you passed Frenchie and I. So I was in fifth or sixth ish. Yeah, well, I got to, that was satisfying passing both of you at the same time. Anyways, getting sidetracked, but yeah, I just fun. drew some parallels from last night to yeah. the Sochi race because it was funny. I don't know if there's a whole lot of other things to shout out. George Russell has gotten more points in the last six races than Perez. Uh, equal. Equal. I think both that's pretty six. funny. Raikkonen P P eight. How about yeah, right? Good, good job, Kimmy. I'm sure he, I'm sure he doesn't really care. But how about Mazepin blocking the hell out of Sonoda in a meaningless battle for 16th to 17th? Again, gets reprimanded by the FIA and Michael Massey. But Michael Massey says he, other drivers have done worse this year. Like, did Maz? Uh, I'm, I'm saying this rhetorically because I know the answer is yes. How much money has Dimitri Mazepin paid? Oh, stop! The it's FIA? not all about that. It's not just it's not just straight bribery all the time. Okay, only fifty percent of the time. I'm I'm actually they're gonna get my oh yeah that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had no idea what you were talking about to this last to, to this exact second, and I just pulled it up and it's awful. It's really it's one of the one of his worst ones this year, which is. I think my something. favorite thing is that Sonoda's not even to try to pass him into the preferred line because right. you want to be on the right hand side breaking to that corner, and and, and Sonoda's literally trying to go left, which is the wrong way to pass somebody into there, and he's still like trying to block him into the wall. Oh, Ooh. another another Haas thing. I don't know if this was last came out last week or the week before, but I, I know we didn't talk about it. The fact that Haas is the only F1 team in the grid that does not have a simulator, so they can't do any sort of practice work before they get to a racetrack, that's pretty embarrassing. Because why can't you just get like an iRacing sim for like a couple thousand bucks and call it a day? Like, don't you don't you guys need something? Build that to Urkel I Incorporated or whatever. Urikali. Yeah, so I I guess I do at kind of circling back. I do see what Massey's saying. It's not the most egregious block I've ever seen, but it's all just like really stupid because I think Sonoda's picking the wrong lane and Mazepin's being an idiot. 
I think on top of that, the fact he says, like, oh, well, you know, other people have done worse. Like, yeah, sure. Uh, he's not that bad. You know, we're not we're not really all that concerned about him overall. It's just that that tone of like we're not concerned. It's not really that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things, which is really frustrating. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's. Do we got anything else from Sochi other than predictions? Ah, uh, no. I think that's it, man. Anybody you want to give a special shout out to, positive or negative? We'll save that for driver of the day and disappointment of the day. Well, that's that was me cueing you into that. Oh. Okay, I'm I'm not. Pick, I, I do you notice I'm wearing my Rich Energy shirt right now? Yeah, does that make you an idiot now? <laughs> it makes me an idiot every day. Uh, driver of the day. Let's go with Max Verstappen. Started last or in the back and finished P two. Only two points back of Lewis, which is pretty much as good as you could have hoped for if you were Red Bull and Verstappen without actually winning the race, and so. Pretty pretty good drive for, for Max to come home P2. Obviously, the rain helped them gain a few spots because he pitted for Inters a few laps, uh, a lap before some of the other guys. But, yeah, good good weekend for him in Red Bull. Yeah, and I'll give a shout-out to Lance Stroll for almost wrecking his teammate and spinning immediately after saying that the conditions were fine. And then demolishing the back of Pierre Gasly. I must have. Oh no! Yeah, I do remember that. I yeah, was a little, a, a, little, a little fuzzy second, morning that morning. Yeah, he got a <laughs> he got a ten second penalty and two penalty points. That'll show him. Yeah. Penalty points. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Colby Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo jo, Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network. Wow. You got any negative shout-outs you want to give? Yeah, let's give a big fat F to... Yuki Sonoda for continuing his disappearing act as the season goes on here. I, I know we need to be patient. He's a rookie. Maybe year two, hopefully year two will be better. But uh, he, I think he's pretty much a guarantee to qualify in the, I don't want to say a, a complete guarantee, but a, a good chance of finishing qualifying in, in, you know, being eliminated in Q1 just about every race now because he just looks lost. He did start 12th. Yeah, and then went backwards. Yeah, but that's not what you just said. Anyways, it's, I do appreciate the fact that you just said whatever you just said without a racist undertone. <laughs> Predictions. Let's see. I had Red Bull. No, I had you had Red Bull winning. <laughs> I had Mercedes continuing their Sochi dominance. We were almost both wrong. I will say F1 is a lot more enjoyable when there's a third team doing good. Yes. 
I agree. Yay McLaren and hopefully yay Ferrari soonish. It's two races in a row there. Basically we're basically we're going to win on merit. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. Good. I had Leclerc. He did not do good. 15th. Uh, his power units seemed to be helping, but I don't know what happened in the rain. Oh, no. He's like slid off and had to yeah, reverse yeah, back. Yeah. Uh, you had Vettel, who was strolled. Uh, <laughs> so that was 12th. Uh, bad. I had Ricardo, 4th. And you had Botas, 5th. So we sucked. Latifi was going pretty well uh, once the rain started. He said he had a really fast car. Uh, but then he had to retire for quote-unquote crash damage. So yeah, I didn't great. see that. And then you had Geo, who finished 16th, so unfortunately This, did this might be our all-around worst com- combined weekend of predictions. Yeah, it wasn't great. So yeah, I think the only things we got to really talk about is the United States Grand Prix is verging on 8,500 numbers of people attending. Now, that's over a weekend, right? It's not one That is day. over the weekend, but it is still a large number of humans will be in attendance. Yeah, 375,000 cool. people over the course of three days, which is insane, uh, including our friends, the Cunningtons, Jill oh. and Thomas. And I don't know how many of the crew are actually going, but I know Jill and Thomas will be there. So Yay. Uh, that's awesome. The only other thing I really... S- oh, the engine regulations. You want to talk about that? Without sounding super scientific, because I don't, I didn't understand a single word in that thing you sent me. <laughs> so essentially, the way I understand it now, there was a technical kind of document released about the future of the Formula One engine. There was another rumor going around that Audi and Porsche, which are part of both part of VW, aren't they? Or maybe Porsche isn't, but Audi is. Or am I? Do I have that backwards? I could be totally wrong. Who cares? Yeah, anyway, I think I think Audi, I think Porsche and Audi are separate. I just feel I like mean, everybody's part of VW, so I'm getting getting my like getting my uh, getting my brain twisted here. But I'll move on while you look at that. So I think Matt talked about it briefly last week. The MGUH will disappear in the new engine in 2026, which is how the current hybrid form is when the car breaks the battery regenerates that's actually going to change it's going to be some sort of front axle uh, i'm sorry now it's going to be maybe all on the rear axle of the car so essentially to gain your battery back you actually have active aerodynamics so essentially it's you press some buttons and you can change elements of the aerodynamics of your car whether that be the rear wing or or something else will in some way shape or form help you recharge the hybrid component of your car that's about as much as i can uh, that's pretty much what it says in here it's definitely going to be a v6 again turbo engine i don't think we're going to see a return to v10s or v8s or anything fun like that but it should, I think, be resolved by Turkey, which is in a couple weeks. So we should have more to talk about in the very near future. But that's what I understood it as. I'll do some digging and try to understand it more. But I, you know, as as you know, I sent it to you three hours ago, and there was not a ton of information. Nor did I read any of the comments below on that Twitter thread. 
Yes, yeah, so Porsche is also owned by V Dub, so Okay. That's kinda that is kinda weird, but I started second guessing myself as soon as I said that and then I started panicking and that's never good. Yeah, I, I think what would be cool well, I don't know. It depends how much money they want to throw around, but wouldn't it be make, make sense for Porsche to run as a factory team and Audi to run as a factory team, but both with VW engines? So that way they both don't have to blow a huge amount of resources both developing their own engines? I I mean, that sounds cool to me. That sounds like the economical approach, but that kind of defeats the purpose of competition, I guess, so we'll see. Yeah, because at that point, there's no point un- unless you're just supplying engines to have both names in there as yeah that's true so team. yeah i mean if they want to spend the money then i guess knock yourself out yeah the last time audi was involved in f1 in any capacity was before they were called audi and it was like 1930 damn how old were you i was 17 okay <laughs> you jerk when was the last time was porsche in, was porsche last in indycar before yeah. they were in f1 i think so don't don't God hold me to that one that's we should do an off-season top discussion just on porsche porsche yeah i wrote a blog on it a couple years ago. as i say i could talk for 15 minutes about how indycar fucked up the whole porsche thing but yeah yeah so that's cool so yeah i think if they come up with these regulations obviously my one request is fast cars and loud noises now how we get to that i doesn't matter to me could care less if the manufacturers are happy if it makes fast cars and if they're loud those check all the boxes, but I think adding two strong companies like Porsche and Audi, and hopefully in the form of like factory teams plus you know supplying to any other teams who may want it for 2026, that sounds awesome. So if they're on that path, they need to continue on that path because that is epic. I agree. The only other thing that came up is that I don't know if we talked about this the other day, but. Uh, Starting in 2022, teams will be required to run two rookie drivers on a Friday practice session, two different drivers per season. And I don't know how many that is, if it's just one session, two test sessions each. But uh, that rule is coming, which is something we've seen in IndyCar before with a private test day. So I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, Oh, yeah, we did talk about that because you were all... Damn, doesn't make a difference. That's stupid. Did I sound like that? I can't, did I, unfortunately. Did I sound make like my, that? I can't make my voice sound as douchey as yours, so. Ah, uh, son of a bitch. I, you know, I I don't have a comeback right now. Just just wait, though. We're recording IndyCar later tonight. And yeah, with two, two people that'll hype you up to throw me down. Yeah. I will say, though, uh, Sammy was listening to this, like, psychologist podcast or something like Uh-oh. it's called like 10 good minutes i think oh yeah yeah i've heard of it and she's like who does this sound like i'm like i don't know your brother she's like no it sounds like mike <laughs> <laughs> i'm like funny. really his is a his, his, his I, they do sound very similar but his voice is like a just a tiny bit higher pitched but yeah like if i didn't know any better i would say like yeah that's right. probably mike all right well thanks sammy I'll, I'll take whatever sort of kind of compliment I can get. Yeah. I sound like somebody who's more famous, I guess, technically. Well, depends how you ask. Yeah. Well, no F1 this weekend, no IndyCar this weekend. can always watch NASCAR if you really want. But Nope. Don't do that. Nope. Nope. Don't do that. Save your sanity. 
everybody. Thank you for listening. Back next week to preview Turkey, I believe, and whatever else news and fun stuff that comes up and talk some more gaming again after hopefully I have another decent finish. But everybody, have a lovely weekend of racing. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you.